You've got Doyle and Bamford, Tony and Graben, Norwood and Watkins, Maynard and Madden. But do you recall the most famous EFL player of all? Randolph the Borough goalie. Right, that's enough. This is the Totally Football League show. I'm Caroline Barker and I did not write that, but I do wish I had Abby. I do. I do or delivered it better. Here to help bring us out of the tragic moment that we were just riding on, the EFL on Quest finest, Adrian Clark. Hi. The EFL on Quest finest, Sam Parkin. Morning. And William Hills, Scrooge, Joe Crilly. <laughs> that humbug. Your beard, are you fashioning that to play the role of Father Christmas? I'm actually going to go and have it trimmed oh. immediately after the show. It's not, <laughs> it's not a dirty protest then. Well, it's a very dirty protest at the moment, yes. but it won't be. In My dad always time. used to do that at work when he wasn't happy about not getting a pay rise or anything, just grow his beard long. I thought, well, how, who's that going to affect? Who's that going to affect? Anyway, enough of that. Just a quick one before we get going, because we've got coming up an exclusive interview with Sol Campbell, manager at Southend, about all sorts of things. We'll run through the Championship, League One and League Two, of course, and bring you your teams, your players and your manager of the decade. You've been helping us out via social media on that one, but the boys have got some opinions too. Just a quick one, though, on the subject of Sol Campbell. Macclesfield's latest high court appearance has been adjourned, so we don't know about that. We will ask him about his money that he's owed from Macclesfield a, a little bit later on. That's just been adjourned. Another club, of course, Berry FC, are due in high court this morning at the time of speaking. Nothing on that. They're winding up petition against that. But an application to the Northwest Counties Football League has been submitted by members in Berry. So this is for a new Phoenix club to be called Berry AFC. Depending on what happens to the existing club, it's the right way forward, isn't it, Adrian? I think so. Yeah. No, it's uh, a surprise that it hasn't happened sooner. I guess people were just clinging on to the hope that that maybe they could could reform the team in, in the National League. But if it, if it means starting again, I'm sure thousands of Berry fans will get behind the new club. And as we've seen, actually, that, that time that it takes to go up and through the leagues, nothing's a given, Sam, of course, mm. but actually that can allow you more time just to sort everything out and build the club gradually. Yeah, well, we've seen it with AFC Wimbledon. I had mates of mine that played in that team, uh, AFC Wimbledon, through all the levels and had the trials, I think, at uh, Richardson Evans on the A3 there, yeah. way back when. Incredible story, and, and we're obviously seeing that they're at a bit of a crossroads now because the, the romance of it all, they want to continue in the same vein. Uh, in terms of what they've created over the last few years. So, yeah, it'd be great to see Berry back at whatever level, just given the opportunity for these supporters that we've seen still going to the ground and the, the ground staff still maintaining the playing surface. They need to get back playing at, you know, relevant of what level it is. Berry's winding up position, we're just hearing, has been dismissed. So they will continue in as Berry FC. So it'll be interesting now whether the Berry members take that on, where does the ground sit how does that work amongst it all so that just complicates everything as well so we're none the clearer or the wiser <laughs> after everything we've just said in the last few moments but essentially possibly you've got these two different clubs now and where they go from here good luck to everyone at Berry. we'll keep an eye on that right coming up not that we're filling uh, we will dish out those awards of the decades then but before we get there let's discuss the latest goings on in the efl You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. To the Championship in the Midlands derby saw a five-goal thriller at St Andrews as West Brom came twice from behind to beat Birmingham. Charlie Austin got a couple of those. That keeps the baggies two points clear at the top. 
That match was topped, though, by the six-goal thriller at Ellen Road. Leeds went 3-0 up, only for Cardiff to score a couple, then have a man sent off, only to score once more to take a point back to Wales. And if you want good attacking football, then maybe don't head to Stoke. Their match against Reading, not a thriller, not a single shot on target, Nil, nil, that one, which of course it would be if there was not a single shot on target. <laughs> Special mention, obviously, for Morrison's moustache. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just outrageous, wasn't it? I was going to say, Joe's is the only the, the second worst facial hair I've seen this week. <laughs> That's a good point. Can we, can we have another special mention for how you say moustache? Did I say moustache? Moustache. <laughs> is that okay? I quite enjoyed that. Sorry, uh, well, well done, both of you. David Priest last week. Goalkeeper extraordinaire, so he's got that in his locker. Uh, talked about the keepers, top five keepers in the championship. We're going to go defenders quickly through this, if you two can agree. <laughs> top five then in reverse order, according to our strongest defenders in here, Adrian's Wall Clark and <laughs> Sam Parkin the bus. Well, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a very good defender as a player, that's for sure. Yeah, Hopefully, I know a bit more about it. But the strongest in days. here. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think Sam would probably be better than me. But anyway, look, um, in reverse order, I've only got one fullback in my list. I don't think the championship at the moment is blessed with a vintage crop of fullbacks. There's some good players, but not not amazing. Jaden Bogle's in there. I just I just rate him highly. He's he. In a, in a very average Derby side, he continues to develop and, and, and make goals, create chances and defend properly. So Jaden Bogle's in at five. He's my top fullback. Uh, four is a player at West Bromwich Albion, Semi Ajayi, settled into the big club environment brilliantly, uh, having left Rotherham, of course. And he has made Kyle Bartley a significantly better Centre half. Yeah. So for that reason, I think I think that he deserves a place. Number three is someone that really stood out for me this season, and I saw him in the flesh last week. Dominic Iorfa, Sheffield Wednesday, big unit, absolutely huge, but cultured, so athletic. Um, I think he has got a bright future. It's a real good pickup from Sheffield Wednesday, in my opinion, last season to get him, and he's developing fabulously under Gary Monk so he's in at three at two I was torn between two Preston defenders in a way Bauer and Ben Davis but I've gone with Ben Davis I think slightly slightly more cultured centre half he's having a terrific season for Preston North End I, I can't remember the last time he had a poor game so Ben Davis is in at two and his partner in crime would be Ben White of, Le- of Leeds United uh, yeah, the loan signing of the season and destined for the Premier League, be it with Leeds or, or Brighton, we don't know yet. But uh, I think a lot of clubs will be monitoring Ben White because he, he uses quality. Those are Adrian's picks. Do you agree, Sam Parkin? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty oh. similar. Pretty similar. got two different ones in there. Cool. Uh, fifth for me is Dominic Iofa as well, considering he was initially in his career a fullback, you know, bombing on down the right-hand side, really good delivery, very quick. He's been converted to a centre-half this season and he's been outstanding, very... Hard in the tackle, but good distribution as well. So I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. Fourth, I'm going Matty Cash. Similar reasons, really. He's been a wide forward for the majority of his professional games. He's been absolutely sensational at fullback, at right back uh, for Lamushi. Good game understanding as well. I, I, I feared that they'd get caught out a lot down that side. Well, it hasn't really happened. And of course, going forward, great distribution and um, great athlete as well, up and down. So he's in at fourth. Third, Semi Ajayi as well. I think 
Yeah, I, I completely concur about that partnership with Bartley. They are looking very good. He can play on either side. We know he's a huge threat from set pieces. He's got three already. I think he got eight for Rotherham last season. Full international now. He looks like a Premier League player in waiting. Second, I've gone for Ferguson at West Brom. Nathan Ferguson, the fullback, 19 years old, being linked with a, a host of clubs. Mm. He's played either side as well, left back, right back. Good distribution, very tenacious, sharp. He's going to get a big move. It's just whether he signs a new contract in the meantime to, to do a few more years in the championship, potentially, or at West Brom if they got promoted. And top of the pile, Ben White as well, by a mile. I'd almost pay money to watch him. And he's a defender, classy, uh, strong, quick as well. Rumours of Chelsea been interested yeah. this week already. If he's not in Brighton's first team at the start of next season, I'll be astonished. Ben White, arguably one of the best young players, I think, mm. in the Championship. Nathan Ferguson as well. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? He's, he, I've, Bowen, seen, I've seen Nathan have a couple of indifferent games, but he has, by and large, been, been outstanding. So I can absolutely see, see why he's in there. But yeah, no, it's good to see some younger players in, in our list. I think that, that bodes well. Most of those guys, I think, will play Premier League football. Yeah. At the Totally Show for your thoughts. So we will reveal our teams of the decade a little bit later in the show. On to the fixtures then for this coming weekend. Just a couple we picked out. And I think Abby's only picked this one out because, again, it's animal related. Owls versus the Robins. Joe, just to, to shoehorn you in, who wins? Out of Owls and Robins. I mean, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Is it? Who? <laughs> the Owls. No, the Owls have it. The Owls have it. Mainly... Both, both in the the animal world and in the oh. uh, in the match as well, I imagine. <laughs> I was going for that. Uh, whilst we engage in that sort of high-level conversation, you two then, Owls against the Robins <laughs> of the weekend. That's not taking the mickey. Um, Bristol City, uh, I was reading, uh, heading into this one, a couple of the players saying, oh, this is the one that we can focus on because it's going to be a trip to Yorkshire that, that actually we can come back with three points, which I think maybe it was the, their assistant coach was talking about that. It might be stretching a bit too far. Well, they've won one of the last five at Ashton Gate and two games that you would anticipate them winning against Millwall and, and Blackburn, they've taken... No points. So they've won four on the road. So we know they're a threat on their travels. One at Fulham recently. They've had a real problem from set pieces in the last two games yeah. and also previously this season. A game against Wigan springs to mind when Jay Dunkley got a, a couple of goals and they're going to be severely tested in, in that manner by Sheffield Wednesday who are a big threat from deliveries from wide and have got free scoring strikers at the moment. So that's something to look ahead to this weekend and, and my other takeaway really from their recent performances it's it's what is the style really with Bristol City I don't see a clear way of playing um, I'm a little bit confused as to exactly what is their their style of play and in the midfield we've spoken about them being a little bit weak well that was evident again at the weekend Masengo has been been pretty good the majority of the time uh, Nadji alongside him as well has got really good ability, but I just think away from home, they're going to have to shore up that area and it might mean uh, Corey Smith coming back into the fold, but that's a couple of areas. Does he know his best 11? Masengo, um, arguably one of, uh, as we said, one of the best young players in the championship. Does Lee Johnson know his best 11? Uh, arguably not. I think Callum O'Dowda is someone that he introduces. Eliasson has been someone that's kind of Everyone out with the club has been calling for him to play, but for whatever reason, Lee Johnson's only put him in 
recently. I think, realistically, a strike force of Vyman and, and Jiju is just not going to get you out of the division. I know they had a phobie, but if they can get someone else in to complement those two, they might have a chance. But for me, it looks like another season where they're going to fall away. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you're only ever as good as your strikers and, and, and that front too. Comparing to Sheffield Wednesday, where they've got three or four guys that can can make the difference up top, they're behind Sheffield Wednesday. I think they're a bit naive as well, a little bit. Like you say, you've got those central midfielders who are technically excellent, but but yeah, I think they, they need to be a bit more streetwise. They give the ball away in bad areas, Bristol. But but yeah, I'm liking what I see of Sheffield Wednesday. I saw them, saw them at Derby last weekend before they went and tonked Forest and. They were really good. They should have beaten Derby, yeah. who, who were poor. And uh, they just look like a team that tactically know exactly what they're doing. Sheffield Wednesday, Monk's got them firing. Very well-organised, great set pieces. They, they, they're sort of 4-4-2 at the moment, as have been Bristol City. And if they both go 4-4-2, Sheffield Wednesday are much better in a 4-4-2, in my opinion, than, than Bristol City. So, so I'd fancy a home win here. And I, and I love the fact... That Jordan Rhodes and Fletcher wear six and nine because Rhodes. Do you reckon this is the case with Jordan Rhodes? If he wears the six shirt, is it just an upside down nine? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a... depends how it's laid out when you walk in the dressing room. I right? think so. I reckon they. I reckon they lay it out upside down for him so that he thinks he's the number yeah. nine. <laughs> the art of the the art of the number nine. Is Jordan Rhodes a number nine. Yeah, he is. But I mean, someone who lives for goals. If that's kind of dying out a little bit Jordan yeah. Rhodes is yeah. you know that to a T even as a as a young player he lives and and breathes goals and uh, it was great to see him back scoring I know him a little bit he was at Ipswich as a young player and yeah one of the best finishers yeah. we've had I know we're going to come on to our awards later but certainly one of the best finishers of the yeah. last decade yeah, when they step on the gas yeah, for Wednesday they, I don't think they're a team of stunning individuals but when they step on the gas as a team play at a high tempo they can be too much for a lot of lot of teams, and and do you know what? I I look at Bristol and I think that they can they can blow them away a bit. But let's see. Anyone that watched the um, Liverpool game will realise that numbers on the back of a shirt is a bit like bingo, isn't it? But you start getting down to number ninety seven or whatever it was. Reading against Derby, then other end of the table. Although Reading not really capitalising at, at the weekend. This one is is tough for all sorts of reasons, not least because this fixture last year was Frank Lampard's first game yeah, in charge. Of course it was, I remember that, yeah. Oh, look, they've gone, they've gone backwards so far, yeah. honestly. They drew the game that I watched against Sheffield Wednesday, but they're pretty fortunate. And they did it by basically just running around a lot and putting some strikers onto the pitch and they kind of got a penalty causing chaos. There was nothing tactical to admire about derby in the in the game that i saw and i think that's been a pattern he doesn't he doesn't know his best team it's a big problem in goal i don't think that they've really replaced carson no. keller roos was not the one and ben hamer for me is, is not is not first choice in the championship i don't don't believe he's of that level so so they need to sort that out Dwayne holmes is, is one little bright spot he's he's playing okay at the moment but around him right now we've got you've got george evans and, and jason knight it's not it's not up to scratch, I'm afraid. And I think that Jason Knight and uh, the other youngster, Morgan Whitaker, have just been chucked in a bit too soon. Cocky, mm. obviously, has talked the talk and said, I'm going to bring in younger players and uh, and develop a team for the future, use the academy. But but right now, I don't think it's the right time to, to blood those players. So, so look, great opportunity, I think, for, for Reading here to, to take on a, a pretty weak Derby side. I don't think they've been this bad for a few years. 
One big concern, another concern for Reading is that the crowd's down to about 17,000 mm. when they were something this season. They need something to lift them at the moment. Yeah, and it's a big couple of games, Derby and then QPR on the horizon before they go to Preston and Fulham. So they need to take a return uh, from these couple of games. And since that de- that narrow defeat against Leeds, they've had John Swift missing and they've only been able to win one of the subsequent four games. And mm. he is their best player. I've spoken about him before with Ajaria, but... Swift gives you, I think, a little bit more in terms of numbers, assists and, and goals, as good as a player Ajari is and a, and a snipper, I think, three million. Uh, he's been excellent, but they've had a set way of playing and they're in the middle of a real bad injury crisis defensively. So he changed the system at Stoke uh, during the week in that horrendously mm-hmm. drab draw. Uh, oh, went, for, went for a diamond because needs must, really, uh, in terms of the, the, the shape and the players that were missing. So be interesting to see what way they go. I mean, similarly, maybe a little bit to Bristol City. I think just a little bit short. They've got maybe the numbers at the top end of the pitch, but I think lacking pace since Mo Barrow went. So maybe that's something they can look at in January. But... If I was a betting man, considering Derby have lost the last five on the road, I'd fancy Reading potentially to get something there. Right then, Joe, it's all down to you. We've heard the thoughts of the jury. <laughs> One I've called a defender, even though I said he was the best in here. Uh, who are we going for hours against the Robins? Uh, well, Sheffield Wednesday, Rod's on. 8-11 to 11 to get the win. At Bristol City, 18-5 to 5 in the draw, 29-10. to 10. And the Royals and the Rams? I don't know uh, where to go that <laughs> Adrian's very correct in, in that Derby have gone backwards so so much in, in such a short space of time. And unsurprisingly, uh, we do have Reading as the favourites. They're even money to beat Derby. Uh, Derby coming in just under 3-1 to one to win the match in the draw 12-5. to five. OK, off the League One we go. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets, or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Adrian Clark, Sam Parkin and Joe Crilly. They all don't know there's a special quiz at the end of the show as well and a gorgeous prize that you will all want Ooh. to win. Even Abby wants to win this one. This is how good this prize is. But more on that in a moment. Ipswich's poor home form continues after they lost to Bristol Rovers at Portman Road. But have you ever seen a player given a second yellow for re-entering the field of play without permission? Don't know. But that's it's... not the quiz. It's not the quiz. <laughs> However, that's not the story because Graham Coughlin since left Bristol Rovers for Mansfield. Everyone could see that coming. That allows Wickham to pull seven points clear then at the top of League One. A wise man on the telly said they're the most efficient side in the EFL. Six clean sheets in a row. You must have a good spreadsheet. Uh, also had a good stat on Southend not winning at Roots Hall in 2019 at 3pm on a Saturday. But we're hoping, we're hoping he's got another stat up his sleeve for us. And as good as Groundhog Day, Sunderland continued to notch up 1-1 draws. But now they're at their lowest sat in 12th. Bristol Rovers, it was a sniff that this was going on. Then it happened. Uh, Bristol Rovers fans aren't happy. They're saying that, that Coughwell... A couple that I've read, this might not be all Bristol Rovers fans, because clearly if he's delivering as he was on the pitch, then that's going to turn some people to his favour. But they didn't seem to really get on with him in the first place. I'm looking at both of you now, looking to call him out. But he didn't have that love 
with the fans? Uh, I'm not too sure uh, on that. I think he's done a, a pretty good job. Um, Here's one quote then. Go on then. He has betrayed us. Oh, it what? is the well, ultimate what, betrayal. Well, we never liked him. He never linked up with the fan. This was just one column I was okay. reading on it this week. Okay. I think essentially they're saying that there were certain things he said. Maybe it's, perhaps it's easy to digs. say that now, but yeah. I, maybe he's not the most open of, of fellas and, uh, and maybe that, that could go against him. I understand that. He was a very tough player mm. and I'd imagine he's taken that into his, his management. Uncompromising. I didn't enjoy playing against him, but he's been on the show, hasn't he? I've certainly, I've, I've interviewed him in the last few months and he yeah. was he was very nice I, I'm not sure where I stand on this obviously there's a the bit of the personal comes into it we don't know what's going on in his personal life no. but he's hot at the moment in terms of his career he's probably going to go and earn more money it's closer to home is it a little bit of a lack of ambition considering where Bristol Rovers are sitting possibly I don't think this is the worst thing in the world for Bristol Rovers I don't think he's probably the complete manager. I think he's a, probably a work in progress. There's probably some really good facets to his his management. But, you know, this is a bit of an unknown quantity in my eyes. And let's not forget that they've had arguably the best striker, one of the best strikers in that division, plundering goal after goal for him, Johnson Clark Harris. No, he's missed a few games this season, but he's not been half helped in that regard. I think Bristol Rovers now, sitting in the position they are, could go and acquire a really good manager. And Graham Coughlin, good luck to him because Mansfield, if you look at the last few appointments, I'm not sure that that's the most sensible thing taking that job. I don't think that the owners really uh, have got their fingers to the pulse, if that's a phrase. Mm, right, yeah. uh, the, the Johnson Clark Harris is an interesting point because subsequently the club have said that they may consider offers for him. In January, we don't know what Graham Coffin's been told, do mm. we, by the board about what he's going to get in January, what he might not get in January, and if he wants to push on and and better himself I, and the club. I get that, yeah, and 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 that, that that conversation may well may well have happened. I just think that the way he went about the exit, the exit strategy, was very undignified, wasn't it? They just beaten Ipswich. It was a yeah. brilliant performance. He could have not said anything and just praised his players. They deserve praise. Mm. Let them have their moment rather than choosing to to then have a pop at the club when really he knew that he had an offer already for, from Mansfield on the table and, and that the reasons for moving are A, probably financial and, and B, most importantly to him, for family reasons. Yeah. It does beg the question, when, you, when you've got a manager that doesn't uh, commit in terms of move their family down to, to, a, to a club, you run this risk, don't you? That that someone closer to home will then come and come and offer them a, a job. And mm. and if we were in his position, I, I guess we'd all be tempted to do that. It's easy to say you should take your family with you, but we all know the average tenure of a, of a manager in the EFL is probably a year, two years tops. It's, it's an so, unforgiving job, yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah. So imagine taking your kids to, down to Bristol, and then you, you get sacked after six months. I, I do understand why he kept his family in the north of England which makes it so much harder to do the job when you're on your own living in a flat. It can't be that much fun. No. So maybe we just have to all get our head around the fact that that in situations like this, it always has to be short term. It has to be. Tough, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah I, but I just think he was he was out of order on the day, for sure. Joe, how, where does this leave Bristol Rose in? Sam thinks, and I, I agree with you, Sam, that they're probably in a, a decent position now, depending on what they can say to, to managers coming in about what they'll get in January. Are you going to give us the odds, Joe? I am. Can I give you my name? Go on. 
Paul Tisdale. Oh, I thought you were going to just say Paul Sam Tisdale. Parkin. Cotswolds, he lives. Tom Nichols and Liam Serkham, two of the boys he had for best part of a decade at Exeter. Have you asked him? No, I haven't asked him, but the only problem with that would be the... Listen, he's worked on a shoestring at Exeter before and been successful. It's whether the restraints that are put on by these owners would maybe be off-putting for him mm-hmm. um, if the noise coming out of Graham Coughlin is, is to be believed. So, But I think it's a League One club. I don't imagine Paul Tisdale's going to go and take a, a job in League Two. Ticks a lot of boxes for me if they don't go in-house, which obviously they've got a few candidates there. Yeah, can I just say, uh, obviously Colin Murray on the question was was winding up Ian Holloway saying, saying that the, it, the job should be his. Ollie was so embarrassed because he just thought that everyone watching would be thinking he put Colin up to it, but but he absolutely didn't, and it was it was, it was all down to him really, just just having a tease. But but the look in in Ollie's eyes told you that he would absolutely love to do it. And I was watching the games with him mm. during the day, and he was roaring for the gas. Let me tell you, whenever they had a chance, he was up out of his seat. So he's a proper fan. He would love the opportunity to do it, but but maybe he's behind Tisdale in the betting. I don't know. Joe Crilly, there's your working out. Who's where? Well, it, the betting is a little bit of a mess at the moment. It's not quite sorted itself out, so there's a lot of names and quite a few big prices. So certainly, Sam, you could find a bit of value for Paul Tisdale. He's double figures. He's 12 to 1 at the moment. Uh, Ian Holloway's amongst the favourites. We've got three favourites at the moment, 4 to 1. Uh, Ian Holloway is one of them, alongside Paul Heckingbottom and Tommy Widrington. Other names, if we go further down the list, uh, Nathan Jones, 16 to 1. Kevin Nolan, 16 to The same names that come up every time that there's a manager's job in League One and League Two. Tommy Widrington, I think it's his son, is a very good dancer. That's my random fact. <laughs> he gave my brother a trophy once after a district game. Oh, did he? Mm. Anyone he, else got he, a Tommy Widrington he, story? Yeah, he coached me at a, a summer school once. Really? <laughs> yeah. Adrian, you're, you're the odd one out. No, nothing. Oh. Never heard of it. <laughs> He's got a Tommy Widrington tattoo, isn't he? Uh, straight on his buttock. I don't know why. Uh, Shall we move on? Yes, let's, because uh, we'll talk some of the fixtures, starting with Bolton. South End. We caught up a little earlier with the South End boss, Sol Campbell. Sol, morning. We, we find you then on your way to training. How is it? And is it is it brighter than when you first walked into the club? Yeah, of course it's brighter. <laughs> of course it's brighter. You know, it's always brighter when I turn up. Yeah, so right answer. Right answer. <laughs> how, how have you found it? Uh, I think obviously it's, it's, a, you know, it's a challenging kind of uh, period coming into the club. We've got to, you know, we have to do a lot of work. We still, there's still a lot of work to do, but you know, after the last, say, say two, three games, you know, you know, winning or losing, or, um, or sorry, drawing for us or losing, the performances have got better. Uh, we just got to keep it going on that same kind of, and you know, the intensity in play um, and giving everything we got. And I was obviously not allowing other teams to play and, and when we've got time to play. So we've got to do all the things, all the basics, right? So we've got to make sure we do that and then we can kind of, you know, get a foothold in the game and solid. And uh, and that brings confidence as well. The more, you know, the more solid you get individually and, and as a team, obviously the performances will, will, will get better and better and then hopefully that brings wins. I live uh, just up the road from Southend. I listen to the, the fan phone-ins on the local radio station and they've talked about those positive performances. But a lot of fans as well have just said... You know, what was it about Southend that made you want to go there? Because you knew, as the majority of Essex yeah, knows and yeah, beyond, yeah, the, the yeah. trouble at the club and what was going on yeah. at the club. 
yeah, yeah. And you now it is what it is, you know. I've just got to get on with it. I understand that. I've got the thick end of it. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, I've got a good team together, and we'll we'll work through it, and we'll, you know, give it what we've got, everything what we've got, and and uh, build and and try to kind of. Um, you know, reduce that uh, that lag from from over the last say two three seasons. Um, you know, it, it, it's not going to be easy, but it's, it's a it's a tall, <laughs> a big mountain to climb. But mm. you now we've got the tools to kind of climb that mountain, and we're just going to keep on going. Yes, it's not an easy job, and I understand that. I understand. That. I totally understand that. It must be difficult with the results dinting players' confidence because. You clearly have so much work to do with them on the training ground. You need to push them and you need to, to, to work hard to improve on various aspects. But you also need to make them feel like they've got ability, like they are good players to put your arm around their shoulder. How, how are you finding that balancing act? Yeah, you got. I think for just being me, really, and understanding what's going on. I think, I think you've got to tell the players that, you know, I think you've got to give them reality, reality check. I think you can't really hide from that. But at the same time, you've got to show them, look, look what's happened in the last, say, you know, the last, say, three, four games. You know, we haven't got the results that we really like to, but the performances have got better. So there is, you know, you've got to give them that hope and also show them what we can do uh, in various games and uh, build on that. So it's a balancing act. No, don't get me wrong. Of course it is. So I was at your recent game against Wimbledon and I was really impressed with the way that your players went about it and uh, thought that they'd get some confidence from the, the victory, albeit against a, a youthful Wimbledon side. The subsequent result against Oxford and the manner of the goals that you conceded, has that dented the confidence of the players and has it kind of forced your hand into changing the tactics somewhat? I think for us, you know, in the beginning that came down to, obviously we didn't even start on a... <laughs> on the best cut of start, that came down to individual mistakes, really. That wasn't team mistakes. So, yes, we have to move people around and, and recognise that, uh, you know, some of the guys that weren't at the level on that particular game because, you know, free score in Oxford, they don't need uh, two goal head start. And we certainly don't need to do that. But it happened. But we just got to keep it going. These are the things you've got to iron out or wash out or, you know, change and chop and change and and try to get the right the best formula that can we can start the game be solid and uh and eventually start winning games so just a little bit more on on you when you're at Macclesfield the the incredible job that you were doing there and given what we've seen after with Macclesfield imploding did you have other offers when you were there to to go to other clubs did you did you question whether you should leave them yeah, you have little rumours, little people want to kind of, you know, what, what do you think? Do you, think, you know, but for me, I had to see it through. That's mm. it, just see it through. I think I had to kind of, uh, you know, not kind of jump ship and see it through. And I'm glad I saw it through because, you know, that that the, the whole scenario meant a lot to me. Not bemoaning Southend, but do you think your results warranted you going to a, a club higher up the leagues? I think for me, is I am I'm here now. I've got a job to do, and I want to get on with it. And that's the main thing for me. Um, committed to the job, uh, I'll see it through to the end. And uh, you know, we've we've got a good chance. You know, we've got you know busy busy few few games coming up, and we've got January coming up. And you know, the, mathematically, it's still there. And the confidence is you know belief is coming slowly. It's not there. There's still a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And I'm happy where I am. And uh, I'll, I'll you know make a, you know the best fist of it, and uh, see what happens at the end of the season. 
So with um, January around the corner and the, the potential to bring some new players in, how important is this weekend against Bolton, the team that you're scrapping with really down the bottom? What would that do for the players' confidence ahead of uh, maybe your chance to bring some new additions in as well? I think for us, it's not only this game, it's all the games really. We've got to you know, pick up points on the road, at home, everywhere. You know, Yes, it's a big game for us, but... You know, it's not going to be the end of uh, of, of South End if it doesn't go too well. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the whole season. We need to pick up points home, away, and we need to pick up points everywhere. So that's my kind of situation. I, I I'm not going to. Yes, it's a good game for for confidence and 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 boost him. And yeah, we, it's a it's you know we've got to go for it. But at the same same time, I'm looking at the whole season that we need to pick up points. It's not worth us picking up points, you know, the weekend and then the next three, four games, you don't get anything. You've got Doyle and Bamford, Tony and Graben, Norwood and Watkins, Maynard and Madden. But do you recall the most famous EFL player of all? Randolph the Borough goalie. Right, that's enough. This is the Totally Football League show. I'm Caroline Barker and I did not write that, but I do wish I had Abby. I do, I do, or delivered it better. Here to help bring us out of the tragic moment that we were just riding on, the EFL on Quest finest, Adrian Clark. Hi. The EFL on Quest finest, Sam Parkin. Morning. And William Hills, Scrooge, Joe Crilly. <laughs> that humbug. Your beard, are you fashioning that to play the role of Father Christmas? I'm actually going to go and have it trimmed oh. immediately after the show. It's not, <laughs> it's not a dirty protest then. Well, it's a very dirty protest at the moment, yes. but it won't be. In My dad always time. used to do that at work when he wasn't happy about not getting a pay rise or anything, just grow his beard long. I thought, well, how, who's that going to affect? Who's that going to affect? Anyway, enough of that. Just a quick one before we get going, because we've got coming up an exclusive interview with Sol Campbell, manager at Southend, about all sorts of things. We'll run through the Championship, League One and League Two, of course, and bring you your teams, your players and your manager of the decade. You've been helping us out via social media on that one, but the boys have got some opinions too. Just a quick one, though, on the subject of Sol Campbell. Macclesfield's latest High Court appearance has been adjourned, so we don't know about that. We will ask him about his money that he's owed from Macclesfield a little bit later on. That's just been adjourned. Another club, of course, Berry FC, are due in High Court this morning at the time of speaking. Nothing on that. They're winding up petition against that. But an application to the Northwest Counties Football League has been submitted by members in Berry. So this is for a new Phoenix club to be called Berry AFC. Depending on what happens to the existing club, it's the right way forward, isn't it, Adrian? I think so. Yeah. No, it's a surprise that it hasn't happened sooner. I guess people were just clinging on to the hope that that maybe they could could reform the team in, in the National League. But if it, if it means starting again, I'm sure thousands of Berry fans will get behind the new club. And as we've seen, actually, that, that time that it takes to go up and through the leagues, nothing's a given, Sam, of course, mm. but actually that can allow you more time just to sort everything out and build the club gradually. Yeah, well, we've seen it with AFC Wimbledon. I had mates of mine that played in that team, uh, AFC Wimbledon, through all the levels and had the trials, I think, uh, Richardson Evans on the A3 there, yeah. way back when. Incredible story, and, and we're obviously seeing that they're at a bit of a crossroads now because the, the romance of it all, they want to continue in the same vein. Uh, in terms of what they've created over the last few years. So, yeah, it'd be great to see Berry back at whatever level, just given the opportunity for these supporters that we've seen still going to the ground and the, the ground staff still maintaining the playing surface. They need to get back playing at 
you know, relevant of what level it is. Barry's winding up position, we're just hearing, has been dismissed. So they will continue in as Barry FC. So it'll be interesting now whether the Barry members take that on. Where does the ground sit? How does that work amongst it all? So that just complicates everything as well. So we're none the clearer or the wiser <laughs> after everything we've just said in the last few moments. But essentially, possibly you've got these two different clubs now and where they go from here. Good luck to everyone at Barry. We'll keep an eye on that. Right, coming up. Not that we're feeling. Uh, we will dish out those awards of the decades then. But before we get there, let's discuss the latest goings on in the EFL. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. To the Championship in the Midlands derby saw a five-goal thriller at St Andrews as West Brom came twice from behind to beat Birmingham. Charlie Austin got a couple of those. That keeps the baggies two points clear at the top. That match was topped, though, by the six-goal thriller at Ellen Road. Leeds went 3-0 up, only for Cardiff to score a couple, then have a man sent off, only to score once more to take a point back to Wales. And if you want good attacking football, then maybe don't head to Stoke. Their match against Reading, not a thriller, not a single shot on target. Nil-nil, that one, which, of course, it would be if there was not a single shot on target. <laughs> Special mention, obviously, for Morrison's moustache. Oh, yeah! I mean, it was just outrageous, wasn't it? I was going to say, Joe's is the only the, the second worst facial hair I've seen this week. That's a good point. Can we, can we have another special mention for how you say moustache? Did I say moustache? Moustache. Is that okay? <laughs> Quite enjoyed that. Sorry. Uh, well, well done, both of you. David Priest last week, goalkeeper extraordinaire, so he's got that in his locker, uh, talked about the keepers, top five keepers in the championship. We're going to go defenders quickly through this if you two can agree <laughs> top five then in reverse order according to our strongest defenders in here Adrian's Wall Clark and Sam Parkin the bus well yeah uh, yeah I, I wasn't a very good defender as a player that's for sure yeah. hopefully I know but a bit the more strongest about it these in days. here yeah, well I don't know I think Sam would probably be better than me but anyway look um in reverse order I've only got one fullback in my list. I don't think the championship at the moment is blessed with a vintage crop of fullbacks. There's some good players, but not not amazing. Jaden Bogle's in there. I just I just rate him highly. He's he in a in a very average derby side. He continues to develop and and, and make goals, create chances, and defend properly. So Jaden Bogle's in at five. He's my top fullback. Uh, four is a player at West Bromwich Albion, Semi Ajayi, settled into the big club environment brilliantly, uh, having left Rotherham, of course. And he has made Kyle Bartley a significantly better centre-half. Yeah. So for that reason, I think I think that he deserves a place. Number three is someone that really stood out for me this season, and I saw him in the flesh last week, Dominic Iorfa, Sheffield Wednesday. Big unit, absolutely huge, but cultured, so athletic, um, I think he has got a bright future. It's a real good pickup from Sheffield Wednesday, in my opinion, last season to get him, and he's developing fabulously under Gary Monk. So he's in at three. At two, I was torn between two Preston defenders in a way, Bauer and Ben Davis. But I've gone with Ben Davis. I think slightly, slightly more cultured centre half. He's having a terrific season for Preston North End. I, I can't remember the last time he had a poor game. So Ben Davis is in at two, and his partner in crime would be Ben White of, Le- of Leeds United. Uh, yeah, the lone signing of the season and destined for the Premier League, be it with Leeds or, or Brighton, we don't know yet, but uh, I think a lot of clubs will be monitoring Ben White because he, he uses quality. 
Those are Adrian's picks. Do you agree, Sam Parkin? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty oh. similar. Pretty similar. I've got two different ones in there. Cool. Uh, fifth for me is Dominic Iofa as well, considering he was initially in his career a fullback, you know, bombing on down the right hand side. Really good delivery, very quick. He's been converted to a centre half this season and he's been outstanding. Very hard in the tackle, but good distribution as well. So I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. Fourth, I'm going Matty Cash. Similar reasons, really. He's been a wide forward for the majority of his professional games. He's been absolutely sensational at fullback, at right back uh, for Lamushi. Good game understanding as well. I, I, I feared that they'd get caught out a lot down that side. Well, it hasn't really happened. And of course, going forward, great distribution and um, great athlete as well, up and down. So he's in at fourth. Third, Semi Ajayi as well. I think, yeah, I completely concur about that partnership with Bartley. They are looking very good. He can play on either side. We know he's a huge threat from set pieces. Got three already. I think he got eight for Rotherham last season. Full international now. He looks like a Premier League player. In waiting, second, I've gone for Ferguson at West Brom. Nathan Ferguson, the fullback, 19 years old being linked with a, a host of clubs. Mm. He's played either side as well, left back, right back, good distribution, very tenacious, sharp. He's going to get a big move. It's just whether he signs a new contract in the meantime to, to do a few more years in the championship, potentially, or at West Brom if they got promoted. And top of the pile, Ben White as well, by a mile. I'd almost pay money to watch him. And he's a defender, classy, uh, strong, quick as well. Rumours of Chelsea been interested yeah. this week already. If he's not in Brighton's first team at the start of next season, I'll be astonished. Ben White, arguably one of the best young players, I think, mm. in the Championship. Nathan Ferguson as well. In yeah, too, yeah. Right? He's, he, he, Jared I've, Bowen, seen, I've seen Nathan have a couple of indifferent games, but he has, by and large, been been outstanding. So I can absolutely see see why he's in there. But yeah, no, it's good to see some younger players in, in our list. I think that, that bodes well. Most of those guys, I think, will play Premier League football. Yeah. At the Totally Show for your thoughts. So we will reveal our teams of the decade a little bit later in the show. On to the fixtures then for this coming weekend. Just a couple we picked out. And I think Abby's only picked this one out because, again, it's animal related. Owls versus the Robins. Joe, just to, to shoehorn you in, who wins out of Owls and Robins? I mean, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Is it? Who? <laughs> the owls. Oh, the owls have it. The owls have it. Mainly... Both, both in the the animal world and in the oh. uh, in the match as well, I imagine. <laughs> I was going for that. Uh, whilst we engage in that sort of high-level conversation, you two then, owls against the robins on the weekend. <laughs> that's the team, Mickey. Um, Bristol City, uh, I was reading, uh, heading into this one, a couple of the players saying, oh, this is the one that we can focus on because it's going to be a trip to Yorkshire that, that actually we can come back with three points, which I think maybe it was the, their assistant coach was talking about that. It might be stretching it a bit too far. Well, they've won one of the last five at Ashton Gate and two games that you would anticipate them winning against Millwall and, and Blackburn, they've taken no points. So they've won four on the road. So we know they're a threat on their travels, one at Fulham recently. They've had a real problem from set pieces in the last two games yeah. and also previously this season. A game against Wigan springs to mind when Jay Dunkley got a, a couple of goals and they're going to be severely tested in, in that manner by Sheffield Wednesday who are a big threat from deliveries from wide and have got free scoring strikers at the moment. So that's something to look 
ahead to this weekend. And, and my other takeaway, really, from their recent performances, it's it's what is the style really with Bristol City? I don't see a clear way of playing. Um, I'm a little bit confused as to exactly what is their their style of play. And in the midfield, we've spoken about them being a little bit weak. Well, that was evident again at the weekend. Masengo has been been pretty good the majority of the time. Uh, Naji alongside him as well has got really good ability. But I just think away from home, they're going to have to shore up that area. And it might mean uh, Corey Smith coming back into the fold. But that's... Couple does of areas. Best? Does he know his best eleven? Masengo, um, arguably one of, uh, as we said, one of the best young players in the championship. Does Lee Johnson know his best eleven? Uh, arguably not. I think Callum O'Dowda is someone that he introduces. Eliasson has been someone that's kind of everyone out with the club has been calling for him to play, but for whatever reason, Lee Johnson's only put him in recently. I think realistically, a strike force of Vyman and. and Jiju is just not going to get you out of the division. I know they had a phobie, but if they can get someone else in to complement those two, they might have a chance. But for me, it looks like another season where they're going to fall away. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you're only ever as good as your strikers and and, and that front too. Compare them to Sheffield Wednesday where they've got three or four guys that can, can make the difference up top. They're behind Sheffield Wednesday. I think they're a bit naive as well, a little bit... Like you say, you've got those central midfielders who are technically excellent, but but yeah, I think they, they need to be a bit more streetwise. They give the ball away in bad areas, Bristol. But but yeah, I'm liking what I see of Sheffield Wednesday. I saw them, saw them at Derby last weekend before they went and tonked Forest, and they were really good. They should have beaten Derby, yeah. who, who were poor. And uh, they just look like a team that tactically know exactly what they're doing, Sheffield Wednesday. Monk's got them firing very well-organised, great set-pieces. The, the, the sort of four-four-two at the moment, as have been Bristol City, and if they both go four-four-two, Sheffield Wednesday are much better in a four-four-two, in my opinion, than, than Bristol City. So, so I'd fancy a home win here. And I, and I love the fact that Jordan Rhodes has, and, and Fletcher wear six and nine. Because Rhodes, do you reckon this is the case with Jordan Rhodes? If he wears the six shirt, is it just an upside-down nine? Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, he's a... Uh... Depends how it's laid out when you walk in the dressing room, I think right? so. I reckon, they, I reckon they lay it out upside down for yeah. him so that he thinks he's the number nine. Yeah. If, the art of the, if the art of the number nine, is Jordan Rose a number nine? Yeah, he is. But, I mean, someone who lives for goals, if that's kind of dying out a little bit, Jordan yeah. Rhodes is, yeah. you know, that to a T. Even as a, as a young player, he lives and, and breathes goals. And uh, it was great to see him back scoring. I know him a little bit. He was at Ipswich as a young player and, yeah, one of the best finishers yeah. we've had I know we're going to come on to our awards later, but certainly one of the best finishers of the last decade. Yeah, when they step on the gas, Sheffield Wednesday, they, I don't think they're a team of stunning individuals, but when they step on the gas as a team, play at a high tempo, they can be too much for a lot of lot of teams. And, and do you know what? I, I look at Bristol and I think that they can they can blow them away a bit. But let's see. Anyone that watched the um, Liverpool game will realise that numbers on the back of a shirt is a bit like bingo, isn't it? But you start getting down to number 97 or whatever it was. Reading against Derby then, other end of the table although Reading not really capitalising at, at the weekend this one is is tough for all sorts of reasons not least because this fixture last year was Frank Lampard's first game yeah, in of charge of course it was I remember that yeah oh look they've gone they've gone backwards so far yeah. honestly they drew the game that I watched against Sheffield Wednesday but they're pretty fortunate and they did it by basically just running around a lot and putting some strikers onto the pitch and they kind of got a penalty causing chaos there's nothing tactical 
to admire about Derby in the in the game that I saw, and I think that's been a pattern. He doesn't he doesn't know his best team. It's a big problem in goal. I don't think that they've really replaced Carson. No. Keller Roos was not the one, and Ben Hamer for me is is not is not first choice in the championship. I don't don't believe he's of that level. So so they need to sort that out. Dwayne Holmes is is one little bright spot. He's he's playing okay at the moment, but around him. Right now, we've got you've got George Evans and, and Jason Knight. It's not it, it's not up to scratch, I'm afraid. And I think that Jason Knight and uh, the other youngster Morgan Whitaker have just been chucked in a bit too soon. Cocky mm. obviously has talked the talk and said, "I'm going to bring in younger players and uh, and develop a team for the future, use the academy." But but right now, I don't think it's the right time to to blood those players. So so look, great opportunity I think for for Reading here to to take on a. A pretty weak Derby side. I don't think they've been this bad for a few years. One big concern, another concern for Reading, is that the crowd's down to about seventeen thousand mm. or something this season. They need something to lift them at the moment. Yeah, and it's a big couple of games, Derby and then QPR on the horizon before they go to Preston and Fulham. So they need to take a return uh, from these couple of games. And since that de- that narrow defeat against Leeds, they've had John Swift missing and they've only been able to win one of the subsequent four games. And mm. he is their best player. I've spoken about him before with Ajaria. But Swift gives you, I think, a little bit more in terms of numbers, assists and, and goals, as good as a player Ajaria is and a, and a snipper, I think, three million. Uh, he's been excellent. But they've had a set way of playing and they're in the middle of a real bad injury crisis defensively. So he changed the system at Stoke uh, during the week in that horrendously mm. drab draw. Uh, oh, went, for, went for a diamond because needs must really uh, in terms of the, the, the shape and the players that were missing. So it be interesting to see what way they go. I mean, similarly, maybe a little bit to Bristol City. I think just a little bit short. They've got maybe the numbers at the top end of the pitch, but I think lacking pace since Mo Barrow went. So maybe that's something they can look at in January. But... If I was a betting man, considering Derby have lost the last five on the road, I'd fancy Reading potentially to get something there. Right then, Joe, it's all down to you. We've heard the thoughts of the jury. <laughs> One I've called a defender, even though I said he was the best in here. Uh, who are we going for Owls against the Robins? Uh, well, Sheffield Wednesday, Rod's on. 8-11 to 11 to get the win. At Bristol City, 18-5 to 5 in the draw, 29-10. to 10. And the Royals and the Rams? I don't know uh, where to go that though. <laughs> Adrian's very correct in, in that Derby have gone backwards so so much in, in such a short space of time. And unsurprisingly, uh, we do have Reading as the favourites. They're even money to beat Derby. Uh, Derby coming in just under 3-1 to one to win the match in the draw 12-5. to five. OK, off the League One we go. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets, or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Adrian Clark, Sam Parkin and Joe Crilly. They all don't know there's a special quiz at the end of the show as well and a gorgeous prize that you will all want Ooh. to win. Even Abby wants to win this one. This is how good this prize is. But more on that in a moment. Ipswich's poor home form continues after they lost to Bristol Rovers at Portman Road. But have you ever seen a player given a second yellow for re-entering the field of play without permission? 
Don't know, but it's... not the quiz. It's not the quiz. (laughs) However, that's not the story because Graham Coughlin since left Bristol Rovers for Mansfield. Everyone could see that coming. That allows Wickham to pull seven points clear then at the top of League One. A wise man on the telly said they're the most efficient side in the EFL. Six clean sheets in a row. You must have a good spreadsheet. Uh, Also had a good stat on Southend not winning at Roots Hall in 2019 at 3pm on a Saturday. But we're hoping, we're hoping he's got another stat up his sleeve for us. And as good as Groundhog Day, Sunderland continued to notch up 1-1 draws. But now they're at their lowest sat in 12th. Bristol Rovers, it was a sniff that this was going on. Then it happened. Uh, Bristol Rovers fans aren't happy. They're saying that, that Coughwell... A couple that I've read, this might not be all Bristol Rovers fans, because clearly if he's delivering as he was on the pitch, then that's going to turn some people to his favour. But they didn't seem to really get on with him in the first place. I'm looking at both of you now, looking to call him out. But he didn't have that love with the fans. Uh, I'm not too sure uh, on that. I think he's done a a pretty good job. Um, Here's one quote then. Go on then. He has betrayed us. It is the ultimate betrayal. We never liked him. He never linked up with the fans. This was just one column I was okay. reading on it this week. Okay. I think essentially they're saying that there were certain things he said. Maybe it's, perhaps it's easy to digs. say that now, but yeah. I, maybe he's not the most open of, of fellas and, uh, and maybe that, that could go against him. I understand that. He was a very tough player mm. and I'd imagine he's taken that into his, his management. Uncompromising. I didn't enjoy playing against him, but he's been on the show, hasn't he? I've certainly, I've, I've interviewed him in the last few months and he, yeah. was, he was very nice. I, I'm not sure where I stand on this. Obviously, there's a bit of the personal comes into it. We don't know what's going on in his personal life, no. but he's hot at the moment mm. in terms of his career. He's probably going to go and earn more money. It's closer to home. Is it a little bit of a lack of ambition considering where Bristol Rovers are sitting? Possibly. I don't think this is the worst thing in the world for Bristol Rovers. I don't think he's probably the complete manager. I think he's probably a work in progress. There's probably some really good facets to his his management. But, you know, this is a bit of an unknown quantity in my eyes. And let's not forget that they've had arguably the best striker, one of the best strikers in that division, plundering goal after goal for him, Johnson Clark Harris. No, he's missed a few games this season, but he's not been half helped in that regard. I think Bristol Rovers now, sitting in the position they are, could go and acquire a really good manager. And Graham Coughlin, good luck to him because Mansfield, if you look at the last few appointments, I'm not sure that that's the most sensible thing taking that job. I don't think that the owners really uh, have got their fingers to the pulse, if that's a phrase. Mm, right, yeah. I, the, the Johnson Clark Harris is an interesting point because subsequently the club have, have said that they may consider offers for him. In January, we don't know what Graham Coffin's been told, do mm. we, by the board about what he's going to get in January, what he might not get in January, and if he wants to push on and and better himself I, and the club. I get that, yeah, and 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 that, that that conversation may well may well have happened. I just think that the way he went about the exit, the exit strategy, was very undignified, wasn't it? They just beaten Ipswich. It's a yeah. brilliant performance. He could have not said anything and just praised his players. They deserve praise. Mm. Let them have their moment rather than choosing to to then have a pop at the club when really he knew that he had an offer already for, from Mansfield on the table and, and that the reasons for moving are A, probably financial and, and B, most importantly to him, for family reasons. Yeah. It does beg the question, when, you, when you've got a manager 
that doesn't uh, commit in terms of move their family down to to a to a club you run this risk don't you that that someone closer to home will then come and come and offer them a, a job and mm. and if we were in his position I, I guess we'd all be tempted to do that it's easy to say you should take your family with you but we all know the average tenure of a, of a manager in the EFL is probably a year two years tops it's, it's an so, unforgiving job yeah isn't exactly it? Yeah. so imagine taking your kids to, down to Bristol and then you, you get sacked after six months I, I do understand why he kept his family in the north of England which makes it so much harder to do the job when you're on your own living in a flat it can't be that much fun no so maybe we just have to all get our head around the fact that that in situations like this, it always has to be short term. It has to be tough, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I, but I just think he was he was out of order on the day, for sure. Joe, how where does this leave Bristol Rose? And Sam thinks, and I, I agree with you, Sam, that they're probably in a, a decent position now, depending on what they can say to, to managers coming in about what they'll get in January. You're going to give us the odds, Joe. I am. Can I give you my name? Go on, Paul Tisdale. Oh, I thought you were going to just say Paul Sam Tisdale, Parkin. Cotswolds. He lives. Tom Nichols and Liam Serkham, two of the boys he had for best part of a decade at Exeter. Have you asked him? No, I haven't asked him, but the only problem with that would be the... Listen, he's worked on a shoestring at Exeter before and been successful. It's whether the restraints that are put on by these owners would maybe be off-putting for him mm-hmm. um, if the noise coming out of Graham Coughlin is is to be believed. So, But I think it's a League One club. I don't imagine Paul Tizza is going to go and take a, a job in League Two ticks a lot of boxes for me if they don't go in-house which obviously they got a few candidates there yeah can I just say uh, obviously Colin Murray on the quest show was was winding up Ian Holloway saying saying the, the job should be his Ollie was so embarrassed because he just thought that everyone watching would be thinking he put Colin up to it but but he absolutely didn't and it was it was, it was all down to him really just just having a tease but but the look in, in Ollie's eyes told you that he would absolutely love to do it. And I was watching the games with him mm. during the day and he was roaring for the gas. Let me tell you, whenever they had a chance, he was up out of his seat. So he's a proper fan. He would love the opportunity to do it. But but maybe he's behind Tisdale in the betting, I don't know. Joe Crilly, there's your working out. Who's where? Well, it, the betting is a little bit of a mess at the moment. It's not quite sorted itself out. So there's a lot of names and quite a few big prices. So certainly, Sam, you can find a bit of value for Paul Tisdale. He's double figures. He's 12 to 1 at the moment. Uh, Ian Holloway's amongst the favourites. We've got three favourites at the moment, 4 to 1. Uh, Ian Holloway is one of them, alongside Paul Heckingbottom and Tommy Widrington. Other names, if we go further down the list, uh, Nathan Jones, 16 to 1. Kevin Nolan, 16 to The same names that come up every time that there's a manager's job in League One and League Two. Tommy Widrington, I think it's his son, is a very good dancer. That's my random fact. <laughs> he gave my brother a trophy once after a district game. Oh, did he? Mm. Anyone he, else got he, a Tommy Widrington he, story? Yeah, he coached me at a, a summer school once. Oh, really? <laughs> Adrian, you're, you're the odd one out. No, nothing. Oh, Never heard of him. He's got a Tommy Widrington tattoo, isn't he? <laughs> uh, straight on his buttock. I don't know why. Uh, Shall we move on? Yes, let's, because uh, we'll talk some of the fixtures, starting with Bolton. South End. We caught up a little earlier with the South End boss, Sol Campbell. Sol, morning. We, we find you then on your way to training. How is it? And is it is it brighter than when you first walked into the club? <laughs> of course it's brighter. <laughs> of course it's brighter. You know, it's always brighter when I turn up. Yeah, so right answer. Right answer. <laughs> how, how have you found it? Uh, I think obviously it's, it's, a, you know, it's a challenging kind of uh, period coming into the club. 
we've got to, you know, we had to do a lot of work. We still, there's still a lot of work to do. But, you know, after the last, say, say two, three games, you know, you know, winning or losing or, um, or sorry, drawing for us or losing, the performances have got better. Um, we just got to keep it going on that same kind of, and, you know, the intensity in play um, and giving everything we've got. And I was obviously not allowing other teams to play and, and when we've got time to play. So we've got to do all the things, all the basics, right? So we've got to make sure we do that and then we can kind of, you know, get a foothold in the game and solid. And uh, and that brings confidence as well. The more, you know, the more solid you get individually and and as a team, obviously the performances will will, will get better and better. And then hopefully that brings wins. I live uh, just up the road from Southend. I listen to the the fan phone-ins on the local radio station, and they've talked about those positive performances. But a lot of fans as well have just said, you know, what, what was it about Southend that made you want to go there? Because you knew as the majority of Essex yes, knows and yes, beyond yeah, the, the yeah, trouble at the club and what was going on yeah. at the club. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is what it is, you know. I've just got to get on with it. I understand that. I've got the thick end of it. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, you know, I've got a good team together and we'll, we'll work for it and we'll, you know, give it what we've got, everything what we've got and and uh, build and, and try to kind of... Um, you know, reduce that uh, that lag from from over the last say two, three seasons. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be easy, but it's it's a, it's a tall, <laughs> a big mountain to climb. But mm. you now we've got the tools to kind of climb that mountain, and we're just going to keep on going. Yes, it's not an easy job, and I understand that. I understand. That. I totally understand that. It must be difficult with the results dinting players' confidence because. You clearly have so much work to do with them on the training ground. You need to push them and you need to, to, to work hard to improve on various aspects. But you also need to make them feel like they've got ability, like they are good players to put your arm around their shoulder. How, how are you finding that balancing act? Yeah, you got. I think for just being me, really, and understanding what's going on. I think, I think you've got to tell the players that, you know, I think you've got to give them reality reality check I think you can't really hide from that but at the same time you've got to show them look what's happened in the last say you know the last say three four games you know we haven't got the results that we really like to but the performances have got better so there is you know you've got to give them that hope and also show them what we can do uh, in various games and uh, build on that so it's a balancing act no don't get me wrong of course it is so I was at your recent game against Wimbledon and I was really impressed with the way that your players went about it and uh, thought that they'd get some confidence from the, the victory, albeit against a, a youthful Wimbledon side. The subsequent result against Oxford and the manner of the goals that you conceded, has that dented the confidence of the players and has it kind of forced your hand into changing the tactics somewhat? I think for us, you know, in the beginning that came down to, obviously we didn't start on a... <laughs> on the best cut of start that came down to individual mistakes really that wasn't team mistakes so yes we have to move people around and, and recognise that uh, you know some of the guys that weren't at the level on that particular game because you know free score in Oxford they don't need a two goal head start and we certainly don't need to do that but it happened but we've just got to keep it going these are the things you've got to iron out or wash out or you know change and chop and change and and try to get the right the best formula that can we can start the game be solid and uh and eventually start winning games so just a, a little bit more on on you when you're at Macclesfield the, the incredible job that you were doing there and given what we've seen after with Macclesfield imploding did you have other offers 
when you were there to, to go to other clubs? Did you did you question whether you should leave them? Yeah, you have little rumours, little people want to kind of, you know, what, what do you think? Do you, think, you know, but for me, I had to see it through. That's mm. it, to see it through. I think I had to kind of, uh, you know, not kind of jump ship and see it through. And I'm glad I saw it through because, you know, that, that the, the whole scenario meant a lot to me. Not bemoaning South End, but do you think your results warranted you going to a, a club higher up the leagues? I think for me, it is, I am, I'm here now. I've got a job to do and I want to get on with it. And that's the main thing for me. Um, committed to the job. Uh, I'll see it through to the end. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got a good chance. You know, we've got, you know, busy, busy few, few games coming up and we've got January coming up. And, you know, the, mathematically it's still there. And the confidence is, you know, belief is coming slowly. It's not there. There's still a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And I'm happy where I am. And uh, I'll, I'll, you know, make a, you know, the best fist of it and uh, see what happens at the end of the season. So with um, January around the corner and the, the potential to bring some new players in, how important is this weekend against Bolton, the team that you're scrapping with really down the bottom? What would that do for the players' confidence ahead of uh, maybe your chance to bring some new additions in as well? I think for us, it's not only this game, it's all the games really. We've got to you know, pick up points on the road, at home, everywhere. You know, Yes, it's a big game for us, but... You know, it's not going to be the end of, uh, of of South End if it doesn't go too well. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the whole season. We need to pick up points home, away, and we need to pick up points everywhere. So that's my kind of situation. I, I, I'm not going to... Yes, it's a good game for, for confidence and, and, and boosting. And yeah, we, it's a, it's, you know, we've got to go for it. But at the same, same time, I'm looking at the whole season that we need to pick up points. It's not worth us picking up points, you know, the weekend and then the next three, four games, we don't get anything. You know, it's not, you know, it, it, we've got to really balance it out here. We've got to look at it a whole season and chip away at, at the teams in and around us. Yeah, and it's a great opportunity to do this this weekend. But we've got to, we've got to get points on the road, at home, everywhere. And just finally, so where are you on, on the money from Macclesfield at the moment? That's you know, that's a whole new situation. And that's, you know, other people deal with that. And I'm, you know, just concentrating on the on the uh, job at hand, you know, South End. Sol Campbell joining us on the Totally Football League show. Quick word on Bolton South End. Let's make it snappy. Uh, South End, they're going to pick up three points. at Bolton, remembering a very tender Joe sat in the corner. <laughs> Bolton have to be favourites, don't they? I mean, across the last six, game, the six games, they got ten points. South End, they got two. It, it was a better performance at, at the weekend. Saw bits and pieces of it uh, against a, a good Rotherham team, but... But yeah, no, I think I think they're up against it again, South End, and yeah, I do I do feel now it's all about building for next season at Roots Hall. It's a big game, isn't it? And um, I thought that the most interesting thing from the way Bolton have set up is they had um, Liam Brickup playing as a, a centre half sort of in the middle of the two um, more competitive defenders. So I think they've shown that they've got to be a little bit more adaptable away from home. I spoke about me at, at Luton in. Uh, when we were in a similar predicament, points uh, deficit, and we went out to win every game. We went with like five up front at times, but I think because of the quality uh, in some of the the sides at this level now, you know, going to places like Peterborough, you have to be a little bit, you have to show a little bit more caution. So that was interesting. I thought that, that you know, going there and changing the tactics in the second half, going back to a four four two, using. Uh, Valinden off the bench who's mm. I think a big asset when he comes onto the pitch maybe not so much from the start but they've got 
a couple of ways of playing. It'd be interesting to see how they set up at the weekend against Southend in what is, I think, a huge game for Bolton. If they could win that one and drag Southend right back close to them. Don't make him believe. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough, but, you know, let's, let's have a bit of romance. Maybe your beard is lucky, so you just carry on growing it until they stay up. Well, I mean, they've not won for three games. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shave it all off. Shave it all off. Do you fancy the chances, Joe? I'm not as caught. The, the odds are saying that for the first time this season, Bolton are odds on to win a match. So God. a couple of weeks ago, they were favourites for the first time to win a match this season. They're odds on to win a match. Uh, they're five to six. But I just think after the, the three-game winning streak, I've, I've, a little bit of pessimism started to creep in again. What's um, changed? Well, uh, there was the game against Dons that Bolton rescued right at the, at the death. Uh, I thought that was a, a match that they should have been targeting to win. And yes, against Peterborough, they changed the style. They were a lot more solid. But I think that came at the expense of a bit of an attacking threat. So I think the, the balance of the team is still working itself out. Uh, and I think January is going to be very important because he needs to get some more players. And on there. January, I, th- I think because January is upon us almost, mm. it's, it's affecting Bolton because they know that they have to do something. I think it's a crossroads moment. They can't keep, I don't think, all of the lone players. So they have to um, they have, to re- have a juggle. And that uncertainty is maybe making some of the individuals' players' minds wander. And maybe the manager is starting to think about his team from January onwards rather than for the here and now. A lot of the goals that Bolton are conceding at the moment are coming from individual errors, mm. especially in the defence. Uh, the goal against Peterborough, I think Josh Emmanuel just fell asleep and mm. uh, and left the, the guy at the back post just clear to, to nod in. Uh, Johan Zuma and, and Remy Matthews, the goalkeeper, have both had a, a couple of errors as well in the last mm. couple of weeks. So I think, yeah, the, the mentality that, that they kind of built up during that winning streak has disappeared somewhat in, in recent weeks. January, I know it comes at the same time every year, but uh, Bolton of all clubs, it's come at the wrong time for them. Uh, you can enjoy that in Partridge style. Oxford Wickham. Let's run through that one. Ah, Wickham, I love. That's yeah. all I've got to say. And, and your affections for Oxford? Uh, well, I'm not supposed to say anything positive about Oxford, but I like Carl and I've seen them a couple of times uh, this season. And yeah, you can't not have been impressed with them. Mm. That said, the last two, they've had a bit of a wobble. I think just they haven't scored in the last two and just one shot on target at the weekend against MK. But A difficult uh, week as well with, with Man City. Yeah, may, maybe a few eyes on that one. Maybe a few eyes and maybe that was why they were a little bit limp at the weekend. But I don't think we need to panic. You just need to kind of echo what we said about Leeds United, really. Mm. Um, I know they're not you know, at the top of the league currently, but loads of good players. They've been canning a few more minutes to the likes of Sykes and, and Rob Hall as well. And I don't imagine that's going to continue now. They've got Baptiste, who's a fantastic young player back available, and Brannigan, who arguably has been one of the best midfielders in the league. So not a time to panic. The weekend... I think one goal wins it. Good game, isn't it? I think one yeah. goal wins it either way. Uh, Wickham, obviously, uh, fantastic defensively. Adaptable as well under Gareth Ainsworth. Can go 4-4-2, can go 4-3-3. And, you know, th- the thing I took from the game the other day, it can make changes for every match in the in the front areas. Smith and Akinfenwa didn't start at the weekend after being pivotal in the games before. And, you know, they've got that flexibility, uh, Wickham, this season. But, yeah, I think it'll be really tight. And I could see maybe mm. Oxford nicking this one and it would only be Wickham's second yeah. of the season. Give us a quickie. Uh, well, they've only conceded four 
goals on the road this season in nine away games, Wickham. Four in nine away games. That's ridiculous. Another little stat. They've got the worst pass accuracy of everyone in League One, Wickham, which goes to show doesn't matter no. if you're efficient, as I said at the weekend, at both <laughs> ends of the pitch. <laughs> Just a quickie on their defence, this record-breaking defence. Mm. Keeper Allsop, released by Bournemouth. Right-back Grimmer, released by Coventry. Uh, Stewart, centre-half, released by Crewe. Jacobson, left-back, released by Shrewsbury. And Charles, other centre-back, released by Wickham. <laughs> and signed back on. So, look, it goes to show... It's not the end of the world. If you get released by a club, it doesn't mean you're a bad player. Um, you just need to find the right home and the right manager to organise you. Welcome to the Second Chance Hotel. Does that mean they get the win, Joe Crilly? It does not. <laughs> uh, Oxford are favourites to, to win this one, uh, just a shade above evens at 11-10. to 10. Uh, So that second defeat could be on the cards for Wickham, uh, who are 12-5 to 5 to get the win away from home, which is the same price as the draw. We have had so many nominations at the Totally Show for our Decade Awards, so we're going to rattle through League 2 next. This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. League two then, nine, nine, nine. Nope, not in an emergency. It's the ninth match in a row that Owen Doyle has scored for Swindon. He ain't half bad. That's helped Swindon along to a seven-match winning run. Just you try and stop them. Mansfield, uh, the aforementioned of sacked John Dempster, Coughlin's in. We've spoken about that. And Stevenage finally have a full-time manager. They've reappointed Graham Wesley for his fourth spell in charge. Wesley Wallace double act is back. Right decision, Adrian Carr. Well, he loves him, doesn't he, Phil Wallace? Uh, yeah, Phil Wallace has been <laughs> there years. It. He was there when I was there. Goodness me. He, he's been the custodian for a long, long time. And, and a lot lot of good times for, for, for Stevenage and a lot of them under Graham Wesley. Look, he's a, he's a slightly unusual character, not the easiest to work with. It feels to me like Stevenage is his natural habitat. You can't look at Preston, his time at Preston, Peterborough, Newport, Barnet. Kind of failed, really, at mm. all of those. Lost um, lost more than he won in four of his last five jobs. So he hasn't got this job on recent performance, that's for sure. No. He's got it because Stevenage fans remember him as a winner. Can he turn them back into winners? I, th- I think it's. Uh, I think he'll keep them up, but I don't know if this, this uh, fourth marriage will last that long. I, I, I want to talk about Forest Green Rovers' Swindon. Um, quote of the week, though, does go to Phil Wallace, says... I'm banking that his maturity and evolution has continued over the four years since he was last here. Oh, it sounds like Graham. <laughs> There's everything you like. Right, Forest Green Rovers, Swindon. Who wants to take this one on? Swindon flying. Seven wins in a row. 16 goals scored. Doyle, nine straight games. Um, obviously, we're waiting to see what happens in January with regard to some of the lone players. Well, good news this morning for the Swindon fans. Stephen Bender, the goalkeeper, has been... Excellent. Mm. Since he's been given his opportunity, he's looking like he's going to stay for the season from Swansea. So that's the first piece of the jigsaw done. In regard to this week, bit of a derby um, in terms of location. There's not a great needle between the clubs, as you would imagine. But um, I think the way that Forest Green dictate the ball, like to try and dictate the ball at the weekend, had all of it at Northampton, hit the woodwork four times. Mark Cooper lamenting the lack of clinical edge in his side. Um, I think they'll still probably shade the possession and it'll be interesting with Swindon's tactics because Richie Wellens did go 4-4-2 at the weekend. 
He doesn't like going that way. Needs must because he was missing Jordan Lydon, the, the midfield player. So as um, Doughty played in there and played wonderfully well. But I just think maybe he'll go back to a 4-2-3-1 this weekend, which will mean Jerry Yates going wide on one side and not partnering Owen Doyle. So tactically, that's how I could maybe see Swindon going. Good looking game. Forest Green need a striker and they need one quickly, otherwise they could fall away. Yeah, no, no, nothing more to add, really. I think I think Sam's covered covered that game Good. superbly. Yeah. <laughs> Forest Green Rovers, Swindon odds, Joe. Uh, Forest Green are seven to four. Uh, Swindon six to four, and the draw nine to four. So very close across the board there with Swindon's slight favourites. Plenty more from Joe via William Hill if you want to find out the latest odds across the EFL. The Decade Awards. Can you contain yourselves? It's not quite our last show of the decade. It's the last time the four of us will be in a a room together. Mm. Uh, Let's do that thing then and rattle through some awards. You've been getting in touch too at The Totally Show. Player of the Decade, Wesley writes, Ross McCormack up there for Player of the Decade. Anyone want to join in on the Ross McCormack bandwagon? He wouldn't be able to get out of his gaff to pick up the awards, would he? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Was that a no? (laughs) Uh, No chance. Players of the Decade, your nomination. Uh, Well, I've got three. One was the the, the find of the decade, Deli Alley. Absolutely the find of the decade uh, for MK Dons. Harry Maguire, he, you might have heard of him, he's at Man United. Three... Team of the Year selections during this decade across the EFL. So there's an argument to say he's been been the best player. But I find it hard. I, yeah, I'm going to go with Harry Maguire. Ollie Norwood's had three promotions, so he deserves to be to be in the mix. But but I'm going to go Harry Maguire, even though he's a Premier League player now. He was brilliant in the EFL. Oh, similarly, sort of when you see it where they've gone on um, Gareth Bale. And his spell. I'm just going for the biggest possible player I could I could get. So I'm going Gareth Bale. I, I love it. I've got three completely different uh, names and three completely different reasons. I'll get. I'll go three, two, one for a season, an individual season. Adele Tarrapt, QPR, yep. 2010, oh, he was mega. Yeah. 11, 19 goals, 44 games. He was like God that season. In two, and I've got to credit Matt Davis with this, Matt Davis Adams, because I was chatting to him yesterday for the hipsters, James Coppinger. Doncaster yeah, yeah, yeah. played every season, six hundred games, two promotions. Decent. Still going at thirty-eight. He's thirty-nine in the in the new year. Mm-hmm. Had his problems as well with gambling. I think early part of his career, and just a credit to his professionalism, really, and, and a technically outstanding player. But my number one, it's got to be someone who you'd pay to go and watch. It has to be for me in the the same line as Tarapt Wes Hulan. I know it's going back to the start of the mm-hmm. decade, but. I mean, someone who was so consistent, get you off the edge of your seat, three promotions, obviously all the way up to, I mean, what a tremendous player he's been. Well, that's a great tackle from Brancic, and he's found Murphy. And now we've got Wes Hulan running towards the Leeds defence, up to the edge of the area. It's a shot deflection! Oh, it's hit the post! And he's got it! And Wes Hulan signs off in style! He, he was almost every awards do as well when he was in the EFL and, and how well he did. I mean, Gareth Bell, clearly I was just going for a, a loose one. Daniel says, actually, Daniel has answered every question. So he's gone player of the decade, manager of the decade and team of the decade. Uh, he's got Akin Fenwick for player, manager Chris Wilder, uh, team Leicester 2014-15, and match of the decade. He's gone Leeds Derby playoff second leg. Mm-hmm. 
and moment Watford against Leicester. I think that moment's going to come up quite a bit. Manager of the decade then, so he went with Chris Wilder. Mark Ridley's also been in touch with Wilder too. A couple have been in touch with Wilder. Andy Jennings though, and this would be my pick, surely hard to look past Eddie Howe for manager. Would we agree? Eddie Howe. What would taking Bournemouth all the way through? Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good. I, I'd go with Eddie. Uh, a little bit on the personal that I played with him briefly, and I played against Bournemouth the season when they were docked points, mm. and he did a miraculous job to keep them in the division. And then obviously Bill, and yes, they had a bit of help to say the least in the Championship season with finances, but the likes of uh, Mark Pugh. Matt Ritchie, people like that that came through all the levels with them, had some outstanding servants during that time. But I think to get get them established in the Premier League and play in the brand of football as well, I'd probably go for Eddie, but I'm I'm more than happy with Chris Wilder. Yeah, yeah, Wilder was my pick. He started the decade at Oxford in the National League and he took them into into the league. So yeah. so that's that that's part one of the journey. Then he's in League Two, takes Northampton up, wins that. So, so that, that's fantastic in the middle of the decade. And then the Sheffield United journey starts in League One, then the Championship, now into the Premier League. So, I mean, what, what a decade Chris Wilder has had. And uh, yeah, I think his, his journey as a manager is, uh, has got some way to go. I know all the songs, so nobody needs to teach me any of the songs because I've, I've sung them. I haven't mentioned uh, Joe yet, Joe, because you're just going to put Bolton picks in for each of these, aren't you? Uh, no, I, I had... Uh... Billy Sharp was my player of the season, oh. uh, player of the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Wilder, manager, yeah, with a notable mention for Neil Warnock and Slavisa Jukanovic. Already? Yeah. <laughs> Team of the decade, and I'm not saying... I'm, a bit dismissive. Yeah, I am dismissing it. Team of the decade, I saw Barney kissing Santa Claus rights, a bias, but Luton going down to non-league after a 30-point deduction, ending the decade in the championship could, should Give them a good shout, team of the decade. I agree with you, Barney, and not least because you're kissing Santa Claus. Oh, no, he's not. He saw someone doing that. And that red-haired dude, Wolves, as team of the decade. They suffered a double relegation, got back to the Premier League within the decade. Seems easy, but look at the likes of Leeds and Sunderland, who struggled when suffering similar fates. Team of the decade? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's how it's defined, isn't it? If we're looking at one season... Rather than the decade, which is why it's team of the decade. Well, the best team... Of the through, decade, yeah. Through a for a calendar season, yeah. it would be Wolves 2017-18 yeah. that team. season. But yes, again, you know, a lot of of money, but Neves and and Yotta and things like that outstanding. But yeah, if we're looking at it over a longer period of time, Luton Town for me, of of course. And there'd be an argument for the team of the last three years. Obviously, it's been. Uh, ripped apart a little bit um, in the last six months, but the team to get um, promoted from League Two and then League One, playing the type of football they did after all the problems at that club, no arguments with yeah, that. Yeah, Wolves have been the best team, best team in a season for sure. My favourite team was at the start of the decade, 2010, Blackpool. Blackpool under Ollie, the, when they went up, it was sensational. The football they were playing was just fantastic to watch so entertaining Seamus Coleman flying down the wing and Charlie Adam running things and, and the way they went up was brilliant in the playoffs beating Forest and then Cardiff in a couple of, of thrillers but my team of the decade is Bradford City League Cup final 2013 League, they're League 2 League 2 they got to Wembley mm. so the final I know they got tonked when they got there they're nearly there Bradford City can smell the hot dogs of Wembley way what a sensation story but that is an incredible achievement Mickey Mouse competition isn't it no it isn't no it isn't (laughs) 
And that, that also... I had a little bite there, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> that also produced my moment of the decade when oh. I was accused of potentially being a dogger. Pardon? Mm. I was outside Bradford Stadium very early in the morning doing a report for Five Live and the police uh, <laughs> knocked on the window asking what I was doing there. Yeah, we just hold that image. Let's not. So that was my moment of the decade. Lawrence Turner says his moment came in the season when AFC Wimbledon won the conference playoff final on penalties as it was then. A fan-owned Wimbledon back in the EFL only nine years after reforming. Yes, Darren says moment of the decade has to be the equaliser for Southend in the 122nd minute of the 2015 League 2 playoff final. Joe Piggott with that one. And everyone's saying, therefore, it is the answer. Uh, Eric says, moment of the decade, Watford, Leicester, of course. Jeremy says, if Dini Knockart, or Knockart, he likes both, isn't moment of the decade, then just give up. Knockart takes, Almunia saves, Knockart follows in, Almunia saves again. Absolutely astonishing. Now here come Watford. Forestieri. Here's Hogg. So that is a moment of the decade. Well done, everyone. Joe, anything else you'd like to say? Joe Thompson, moment of the decade. Goal versus Charlton for Rochdale. Yeah, yeah. actually, Joe, you are the winner. Uh, great shout, Joe. I was there for that Piggott goal and it was a glorious moment, um, especially, obviously, in the history of Southend United. Uh, my match of the decade, by the way, because we, we didn't get to it, was definitely that Derby-Leeds game last year, just because of everything around it yeah. and the way that, that Derby turned it around. It was glorious. You know why we didn't get to it? Because I've got a quiz question to end. In 2015, uh, the EFL did their decade of awards. And so there was one player who was in goal, clearly, because you can't have three in there. So who was the goalkeeper of that team of the decade in 2015? That. If you know that, you get to win this very special prize. And do you know what this very special prize is from seeing the back of it, Sam Parkin? Um, a trip to the gadget nope. ski and technology show at nope. Earl's Court? It's something I got from a very reputable handler in memorabilia from football. You will want to win this. Oh, Casper Schmeichel. Shall I show you what he's won? Go on. This is from 442 back in 2020, entitled The Boy's a Bit Special. The boy they're talking about. Oh, there he is. And a signed edition. <laughs> Sam Parkin has won himself. Is that your signature? As a way in Notts County and a 1 1 draw. Is that your signature or has someone faked it? That's my signature. Gotta ah. say, Sam. You, you, you've got better looking with age, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> that is I not, think that's not uh, your best look. A plethora look. of girls at secondary school that would argue with Adrian, but <laughs> some yes. of these. So what? What this is is a page from four four two. I'm not even going there. Page from four four two, and they've asked you a lot. Is that of when questions. I answered in comedy fashion? Oh, there's some good Are stuff. Are you saying you answered in comedy fashion or is this actually Oh, it's good stuff truth? if it was. I was on holiday when I did the interview. Yeah. Well, should we pick out some of Joe, these? Um, I'm, I'm looking to Abby. Can you remember what the best one? Hold on. This, this will be worth it. where you take the mickey out of someone from something he said 25 years Hobbies. ago. <clears throat> so he's saying he did this in jest. Hobbies. I'm trying to get my head around email and the internet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't the best one. You have to be on email. The best one was... What year was this? The best one was throwing like 1995, stones. 1995, Hang on, it? where's that? Advice. Best advice received from Sam Parkin, as written in 442, and he says he was taking the mickey. Best advice received. People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I heard it once and it made me laugh. <laughs> but you only ever heard that once. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> toughest Fine. opponent was good. Where's your toughest opponent? 
Oh, God, I can't read it. Tough as a pony. Ha, ha, ha. That is quite good. Sorry. E Honda in Street Fighter 2. Never get past him. <laughs> Works in it, Joe. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm accepting uh, that that probably was a joke. You win it. You might like to donate Thanks. it back to the team here because it is signed. Well done on winning yourself. Thank you. Sam Parkin. We shall put a photo up of Sam with himself with hair on social media. Like a turkey too long in the oven, we're done. Or underdone, if like me, you indulge too much in the red stuff and forgot to turn the oven on. True story. Adrian, Joe and Sam have well and truly cooked their goose while Sam continues to read his own bits about himself because he can't remember them. From all of us on the Totally Football League show, including Abby. Thank you, Abby. Have a lovely Christmas. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.